Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy. And today, as always, we've got another amazing guest on our show. She is a board-certified chiropractic functional neurologist specializing in mild traumatic brain injury, ocular motor dysfunction, vestibular rehabilitation, sports injuries, and dysautonomia. Welcome to the show, Devin Gaston. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, Dr. Hardy. Absolutely. It's been some time since school since we've seen each other. It's really an honor yeah. to be here. Yeah, for those that don't know, and most of you won't actually, is that uh, me and Devin actually went to chiropractic school together. And uh, yeah, way back uh, over a decade now at Life University in Marietta, Georgia. Woo. <laughs> right? <laughs> Now, a lot has changed. What's that? Sorry? It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. (laughs) No, it doesn't. That's for sure. Yeah, but obviously a lot can happen in 10 years and a lot has happened with yourself there. Um, Of course, yeah, you've been in practice. You've got more certifications. um, But the main kind of key thing that we want to explore here is uh, what's happened with yourself uh, kind of health-wise and, and how has that led you in your practice now? Well, um, you know, like, like many practitioners, we tend to be led by, you know, our, our own dysfunction, if you will. So, right. <laughs> um, right. So, um, you know, actually this, this journey really actually started in chiropractic school for anyone who went to school at life university during the time that they were there, you probably would have known me as a chick that was like adjusting on one leg on crutches. Right. So it was constantly on crutches. Um, but that was actually all related to, um, what I found out is, um, I have earlier downloads and so with that, you get all sorts of other, you know, little fun things like mast cell activating syndrome, you know, just fun immune system. As I like to call it, my immune system acts like a drama queen. Pretty accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I had a, I had a pretty major, um, it was actually come to find out. So not only was it a head and neck injury that kept me from graduating a quarter, but I actually had a left internal carotid dissection. I did, I legitimately babied myself, passed out in the bathroom. It was just kind of a freak, low blood sugar type of situation. Um, we'll say after an endurance event, it was really dancing my face off for 10 straight hours at a music festival, <laughs> got hypovolemic. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least like all my near deaths are like entertaining. Um, so so anyway, so during that during that time, I was introduced, you know, to functional neurology. Obviously, the school we were at, Carrick was still there and and had access to a lot just, God, so many brilliant people. Yes. And it, and it was ultimately um Dr. Ellis who who pretty much saved my life because I was showing up as having a pontine syndrome. I okay. mean, I remember trying to like be in the stands and, and cheering for everyone. I just I couldn't even produce I couldn't produce sound like to cheer and it would just like make me sick. So, um, yeah, it was pretty nuts. Um, and I, I had my walking buddies be able to make it around campus. Um, I remember I had to file an extension, um, for part four national boards because I had no idea how I was going to like look at the x-rays. I mean, I actually did do it, but I was like holding onto the walls cause I was so light sensitive 
And at that time they had, you know, all these view boxes that were all over the room so that you would get tested. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I was not given an option to postpone testing. And so this thing happened and I had six weeks to get my body ready to be able to take boards. And so that's actually where, where Ellis came in and, and yeah, I, he rehabbed me enough where I was able to pass boards and, you know, kind of here I am, but it was definitely a long journey back. Um, I had to, during that time, I also went, you know, through a separation, you know, chiropractic school is challenging enough on a relationship. And then you have something like this really not easy. So, so came back wow. to California and, um, you know, grew up here. And so just continued, you know, rehab. And frankly, I mean, I literally have, I have pictures that like document all this. It's kind of fun, but I have a picture of the very day, the first FNS seminar that I took in 2016. And I was like, oh my God, I know what, I, I know what the problem is. I just need to figure out how to rehab it. So, so, you know, joined Diaphner, went through all the FNSs. I was actually, um, you know, I was there. So I literally walked up to Dr. Brock off the plane, like a shaking mess. Like someone had put me in a paint shaker. It's 45 minute flight, easy flight. But um, I'm like, well, I'm well, let's, let's go back to this. Just how <laughs> life threatening were these situations? And looking back at it, how on earth were you able to make it through these examinations on top of it? <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually, it's pretty beautiful. Um, it really, it, you know, it takes a village. So during this time, I mean, I literally, so a lot of people knew my house at the time. I had this big six bedroom house in Ackworth. I called it the chiropractic halfway house. So I had, right, Scott McGilvery, Ken Bartlett, right, brilliant doctors, right. Every, you know, all these people living with me. And I was so sound and light sensitive and definitely, I mean, nothing was working. I remember, right, with the whole the parietal input, like, I, I could not understand letters. Like, letters were definitely flipped, um, you know, as far as, like, all the, you know, looking at a bright shirt. I remember that I was, um, there's a doctor in Atlanta kind of famous like sports chiropractor, Dr. Rosenketter. And um, I did my internship there and someone came in with a bright yellow shirt and I would literally just like fall to the floor, full drop attacks because it was just too much stimulation. Wow. So very, very gently and creatively and with a lot of help. So studying for boards, I had people actually reading out loud from another room. So I couldn't, I couldn't actually like, you know, the iron gold stuff. I couldn't really read any of it at all. So, so, so many people came over to help. I mean, I can honestly say there were probably about 15 or 16 people that came over and like kind of in shifts took turns, um, reading out loud while I'm like, I mean, seriously, like my whole body's like vibrating, but, um, you know, we, we went through a, you know, good program and, and despite all the partying that we obviously did in school, you did learn quite a bit during that time. So I'm grateful I was able to access that information. Um, right. But but yeah, it, it it took a lot of help and a lot of support to be able to make it through that. Um, I it was it was kind of entertaining, if you will, because even then it wasn't diagnosed correctly. So um, so I knew it was like once I realized and I went to the hospital. And like my blood pressure was off the charts. 
um, because I was having like a secondary impact syndrome. Um, okay. and, and for, for those that aren't aware what that is, uh, what, what happened? So, yeah. So there's, so when you have a really significant head trauma, like within about 72 hours, you can have this big inflammatory cascade that, that can be just as injurious as the original injury. And so since, um, since I, you know, I, yes, I passed out. Yes, I was unconscious for 15 minutes suspended by my neck. You would think you'd be like, oh, call 911 immediately. But I've been passing out since I was a kid. I mean, my first my first time passing out, I was 13 years old, broke my nose, literally passed out while I was walking, walked into a wall. It, it turned blue. I know, it's crazy. So I've just, I've had, you know, it was like blood sugar issues, all this stuff. It's very typical for like, you know, an earlier downloads patient, but also some of these things are typical um, initially with concussion, but I didn't recognize, nor did the hospital recognize that that's what was going on. So uh, I was still like, I, I remember trying to go out and do even like a one mile jog. And I was like, something doesn't feel right. So like metabolically, I just wasn't doing so hot. And so I literally went from, you know, doing okay, considering to, to, I mean, I, I was just a mess. I, I couldn't walk in the dark. I mean, you want to talk about a tandem stance, like a gate type of thing. Like I wasn't able to, to stand tandem for, I think it was like six months at least. Wow. So um, your balance was shot. It was done. Are you ready to take your brain health to a brand new higher level than ever before? then please check out thehardybrain.ca and inquire about our virtual brain health intensive programs. It was done. My balance was done. My coordination was done. I mean, like, as far as, like, you know, vagal tone, um, I mean, you want to, they talk about, you know, to increase your vagal tone gag yourself with a toothbrush. Well, that was happening anyway. I like didn't even have to gag myself. Like it, it just was happening. I was having a hard time with, you know, with, with eating. I was just, I mean, you name it. I couldn't listen. Oh, this was a fun one. So, um, repetitive sounds, right? Oh my yes. gosh. I would lose it if I heard a windshield wiper. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was just like the most entertaining things. So, um, yeah. So once, once this thing set in, I really wasn't the same after that. And then unfortunately, because the general medical community still doesn't seem to have a good grasp on what the difference is between BPPV and like a centralized vertigo from head trauma, they're like, Oh, it's acoustic neuritis. Here's some prednisone. And then I'm like, they're like, you need to take 60 milligrams of prednisone a day weighing like 122 pounds. I made it to like four tabs. So 40 milligrams. And I was like on drugs. I was like, I'm going to jump out of my skin. I can't do this. And so. So, so what are these two different disorders that you're talking about? And which one did you have um, that obviously medication did not work for? So, um, so the biggest, um, or very common, um, I guess, not really comorbidity, but just a common presentation. So Ehlers-Danlos is a connective tissue disorder. It is genetic. It does have to do um, with um, specific mutations, as I found. It's lo generally it's going to be um, located on chromosome fourteen, mm -hmm. um, and you know we we kind of joke about this in um, on 
my mom's side, so I'm Portuguese, I'm 50%, and and we're from the Azores. And so it's like it's a bunch of great-looking people with jacked-up genes that then reproduced <laughs> and reproduced. And so then we all have, have a lot of these issues. And so Ehlers-Danlos, being a connective tissue disorder, there's actually – they reclassified this in 2017. There's – I'm like the worst at remembering numbers. It's like either 12 or 14 subclasses. But okay. you literally don't make – certain collagen proteins and and so that so the most common one is going to be like the hypermobile um eds presentation so that's like we learned about in chiropractic school that you know um you could literally dislocate someone doing a side posture adjustment you could you know dislocate you know the humeral head doing a basic adjustment right but there's there's other parts to this too so for me, I had the one that it's the atherochalasia type. So that affects your hips. So I had, um, you know, hip dysplasia for like 10 years that, that also went misdiagnosed. Um, and it was just showing up as back pain. Um, right. But, but I was also, so instead of dislocating everything, I was like tearing everything in my body. So I've, uh... I've torn... I mean, you name it. I mean, I started with tendonitis when I was like 10 as a gymnast. So there, there are specific sports that are kind of like contraindicated, if you will. And I did all of them. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so that, so that's kind of the big thing there. So with that, um, you get a lot of dysautonomia presentations. And so what that is, um, you can have POTS, so postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So that can show up as, you know, you go to stand up, your blood pressure isn't able to be regulated for you to like, you know, go and walk and it'll like fall. Right. So then you can pass out. So I was, you know, I've had episodes of that throughout my life. I just didn't recognize that that's what it was. Right. It like went into remission, if you will, at different times. Mm, um, okay. So, um, but I, but part of this, so the specific diagnosis is actually one's called adrenergic POTS, which is really not fun. So adrenergic POTS is your, your body again with this whole drama queen situation. Can't, you'll release too much adrenaline and you can't break down adrenaline very well. So, so I'd say like, I would get overstimulated, whether it was something happy or sad and it could just tank me metabolically to where I would end up with like almost like concussion, like symptoms all over again, but it wasn't a concussion. Okay. Yeah. So changes in balance, changes in coordination. Um, right. It's, but ultimately it's like the brain's not getting enough oxygen. Kind of, it's kind of important for the brain to have that, right? (laughs) Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's one of them. And, and that is perpetuated by, um, having this what's called mast cell activating syndrome, which, um, you know, there's a, a number of different components to this, but ultimately um, that's the drama queen immune system releasing too much histamine. And anytime that you're releasing histamine or catecholamines, right, they're stimulants. So yes. you're releasing adrenaline, you're you know, right. It's going to tank your blood sugar. If you've got blood sugar issues, there's, there's all these things that happen. And so for me, kind of the joke is, um, that I've almost died in the last two years because of baby ducks, because of tofu. Tofu put me in the hospital. I'm severely allergic to tofu. So just like a couple weeks ago, there were some pictures on Facebook. Like literally, oh, I gained geez. eight pounds of water weight overnight. <laughs> I'm 
wow. <laughs> it's kind of entertaining. And then unfortunately, I'm like, oh, all that hits me and all that stuff, the adrenaline release, screwed up my blood pressure again. So I'm like, gosh darn it. But, you know, I've gotten pretty good at, at addressing this. And so, um, so coincidentally, I, it's like you attract what you put out into the universe. So I've been Absolutely. getting all these POTS patients, which is kind of awesome, actually, because, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know. Well, I th think it is awesome because right now in basically five to ten minutes, you've explained the interconnectivity of so many different systems and symptoms yeah. that so many people haven't been given the privilege to have an access to that uh, we get one condition, one symptom and one treatment for it. And this just yeah. doesn't work in these conditions. And uh, as you mentioned before, like the differential diagnosis for two completely almost different things. Yeah. Um, isn't even given the credit because the first symptom they hear or that somebody who hasn't experienced this or worked with patients that have had these disorders is that it's this symptom equals this right. here or, or and treatment. Like this and it just doesn't only. work. This system right. only. Yeah. Exactly. So POTS patients are coming to you. They're flocking. What have you been able to kind of communicate them and give them some ease about um, through your experience then? Well, I have to say, number one, and I kind of talked about this um, live yesterday, was this feeling of not being able to trust your body because you mm. don't know like when you've overdone it. And as a lot of us in the field know, they're like, there's kind of this 12 to 24 hour window. And so patients will be like, I'm throwing up. I didn't even do anything. I, you know, I'm having all these digestive issues. Um, and, you know, I've ran food allergy tests and these, you know, patients that are coming to me. So it's like, you start to develop this, this, this fear of, of not wanting to move of, or, and especially, and I got to say it, you know, with women more often than not, they're like, oh, it's just anxiety. It's wow. just this, it's just that. And I mean, literally I, I can talk about it. Um, I was in a, a $5 million personal injury case as an expert witness representing this patient who they were trying to peg it as this was all psychiatric. This little girl, they're like, oh, she's throwing up. She must have body dysmorphia. Oh, this, that, whatever, because she happens to have, you know, family members that, that you know, suffer from different mental illnesses. And so that I, I just have to kind of put out there because that's pretty big. Because even I, I got general, I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder but yet there were very, very obvious neurological findings that showed that this wasn't generalized. This is quite right. specific, right? And, so, and how on earth can anyone jump to the conclusion that it is a generalized disorder without doing anything physical in an examination to rule out these other areas? That though. It blows my mind. <laughs> I know. Well, and, and I don't, I mean, it depends on how much we want to really get into it, but you know, I, I have to say that in the post COVID climate for healthcare, 
I mean, everyone's talking about this, right? We all know there's a lot of doctors that are leaving, especially specialists that are leaving medicine. Um, at least in this region, um, neurologists are just few and far between, and they're backed up like years. I'm not even right. talking like months. I'm talking years. So, so it's like, you're only as good as the history as you take and, and the, and the examination findings, objective findings that you have. So it just seems like there's such an over-reliance on, a, on like advanced imaging um, right. that, that Which is like static. physical exam is non-existent. Right. Yeah. So what happened in this patient that you were uh, a lead, lead uh, investigator for in this uh, trial? So um, I was able to um, submit, you know, VOMS testing, um, also, you know, pupillometry, incredibly helpful. Um, you know, it's like this tech isn't even that expensive. I don't know why this, like even just pupillometry, why can't we have like, I know we probably can't say names, but I'm going to do it. Reflex Pro, like in every single ER facility. I, I don't know because like the pupillary light reflex, they don't even do it anymore. I've been to right. five hospitals. They don't do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So the that's they did it was when <laughs> I come in with all my papers. I'm like, see, I've been dragging it for two years. This is what's going on. And then like, he's like, all right, takes a look. And he's like, huh. yeah, yeah, I would have missed it. I'm like, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so with, with this patient, um, she, so I live in Northern California and mm -hmm. it's absolutely gorgeous besides yes. politics. Um, but we're in the base of the foothills. So there's a lot of people that actually still have, they have a lot of land. Um, they have well water. And so, you know, when you're, when you're doing a comprehensive evaluation, when you're looking at head trauma, you've got to look at, at what are some of the other things that are going on, right? Especially what's going on with the gut. So for people that don't know, right. Or, you know, leaky gut can develop, you can, um, you know, permeate your blood brain barrier. It'll open right up within like six hours. There, you know, there's different time. People could talk about the times, but again, I don't get hung up on numbers. We just know what happens. Right. So exactly. Yeah. So, so yep. in this case, I'm like, all right, I, I got to figure out what's going on. And as it turns out, she had something that was almost like, like Giardia. Like, I'm not even kidding. And she hmm. went to a GI doctor, all this stuff, but you know, they, they don't check inflammatory markers. They don't, they don't go in depth into any of this. They like, let's scope her. You see anything? Nope. All right. It's probably in her head. Like it's literally <laughs> what happened. <laughs> so, um, she's doing, she's doing fantastic. I mean, she was able to ride jet skis. She's not, she's able to gain weight. She, she's awesome. She's able to go from this, this poor teenage girl, just all these labels, all these labels that can just follow her through her whole life to no, you, you just had a, con you had a concussion and you know, you were a great host to some critters, but that wasn't exactly helping, you know, your inflammation load and being able to get your berries and everything back. So once, so ultimately once I was able to show, Hey, you know, she's got all these really objective things going on and guess what? She's not throwing up anymore. It's kind of nice. Um, yeah, she's, she's yeah. good. She's good. Perfect. How did the, the trial, uh, kind of finish or, or end on? So literally we swore that this was going to absolutely go to trial. So, um, I was kind of proud of this because, um, I know this is going to sound weird, but I was injured by an MRI machine. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of an, another thing I'd like to, you know, kind of get into maybe not today, but, um, if you've got an undiagnosed bony labyrinth fracture, 
If you rattle a fracture, do you think that's a good thing? Eh, probably not. No, probably not. <laughs> um, and, um, and then additionally, so if you're in a three Tesla MRI, so which literally ours here is like in an underground bunker, it's an interesting experience. They're like, Oh, people who come through here normally don't stay alive. I'm like, cool. Good to know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I had this like insane reaction as if I'd gone through a blast trauma and, and like was concussed all over again. And so I, I go into this room and at the time we're still like hardcore, like COVID lockdowns because that lasted for a year and a half here. And so it, we didn't have anything that was, that was going to be in trial, the court system, everything was done. So they're doing the best they could just to, you know, do things and, you know, and you know, kind of broken up like little rooms, whatever, testimonial deposition style. But anyway, um, so it was kind of fun because they're like, oh, she's a chiropractor. Let's just schedule an hour with her. I took this attorney through the ringer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he just learned so much. I was so proud of him though. He did, he did really well. I was like, literally, I'm like, you just got an understanding, like a base understanding of the vestibular system. And I'm like, almost like you could probably go like and diagnose people in hospital. Like <laughs> it was really right. good. Um, but yeah, that, that, that testimony, that deposition actually literally caused the case to settle. And for, I mean, this was a four year long case. Um, it, yeah, it, that she was able to get a settlement like right then and there, huge settlement and then go on with her life. So yeah, worked out great. Perfect. Absolutely. And that was all one hour deposition of nailing them with facts. <laughs> one hour, excuse me, that turned into four. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh crap. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I have to, like the stenographer, she was rad. Like we had our, our, you know, like, you know, women, we have this little like weird ESP thing. And right. So she's yeah. typing and she's like, yeah. Like <laughs> it was a fun moment, but meanwhile, I'm like, you have to turn all the lights off in the room. I was so sensitive. Literally, my father had to walk me in because I couldn't walk very well. So, and it was on Valentine's Day. So I felt that that was just like, you know, a gift. It was really like a gift for me to the universe and to her. And I was like, yeah, I was able to make a difference. And and you know, and I even said it was like my mission is to make sure that that physiological is not confused for psychiatric yes right. you can have right a lot of us know you know especially your frontal lobe just always gets affected for things so you know frontal lobe temporal lobe whatever you can have mood changes and whatnot and we we see that you know as as the functionality of the system um, integration of the system improves and hey guess what they tend to feel better and they're not as you know freaked out because their brain actually you know can use gaba and you know, so all the things yeah. it's meant to. Exactly. Now, this mission, um, you're taking even farther, aren't you? Um, so this is just one court trial and yes. you knocked it out and really helped helped her out, helped that patient out. Help that family. Um, that help, family. Exactly. Yeah. Uh what else are you doing to kind of spread the message of uh of how functional neurology can help people and uh, how things are being missed in whatever chaotic uh, arena that, that uh, people are in these days. So my biggest mission right now is actually just to, at least to let people know 
what functional neurology is and how this really is different from, you know, a, a, a medical neurologist that's looking at more so static, if you will, type type things you're not looking at and then you know an active process or or something like like is it thumbs functional right can they do this stuff are they coordinated right all these different things so um because i kind of touched on this earlier that we are in i know we're not that unique but this region specifically northern california actually has a an access to care emergency and i've actually taken this to the media And my understanding Mm -hmm. is that the reporter that I've been speaking with as of this morning says it is on the docket. And so it's not an if, it's when. Because of the experiences that I've gone through, um, for example, um, so I ended up doing a, a tour of the hospital system here, almost like an internal medical audit. Um, after I had this weird plant, swear to God, this is real. A weird plant growing on the roof of my house and California's weather systems have just been crazy. I mean, we literally had thunderstorms and snow in the same day and I live in the Valley. Like that's not right. So it seems like it's unrelated, but it is. So, so anyway, so there's this patch on my roof that, that was growing the strange plant. And so I had it scraped off and it was aerated. And that apparently is what triggered mast cells. I had gotten to that point because that, that MRI that, that injured me, um, I never should have even received that. I had injured myself rescuing baby ducks from a storm drain. (laughs) The chaos that is Dr. Devin. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty accurate. You know, it's used for good. So, right. So there was a bunch of people that were like blocking the entrance to my office. And at the time I had a standalone building. Um, I've since moved to a different location. And so I'm like, all right, what's going on? So I go out there and it's like famous last words. This woman's like, Hey, help me lift this up. And I'm looking around and there's literally like a bunch of lovingly, I love geriatrics, but geriatrics on walkers. And I'm like, well, they're not gonna be able to help. So I was like, sure, fine, whatever, lift it up. I'm the idiot that goes down in the box to rescue some of these things. And I do say some for a reason. I was not very effective in this. It's not a chosen line of work for me now or in the future. Um, And so I had clipped the back of my head as I was exiting. And so I literally, I tore interspinous ligament from C3 all the way down to T1. Um, I went into the hospital. Uh, It was actually, technically it was a, couple days after I originally did it. Um, I did, I was in shock. I went to work for like three hours and I was like, mm, something's not right. So I got checked out actually by, um, by Dr. Brian Jenkins. Um, he happens to practice like 15 minutes away and he was like, sweetheart, you now have a concussion involving your other side as well. Good for you. I'm like, dang it. So, so anyway, so, so this is where like this whole hospital journey started because this is so jacked up, but you know, hospitals are only really as good and diagnosis is only as good as their imaging, according to neurologists, right? In every single one of my images, I had artifacts to the point where it said, quote, the posterior fossa cannot be visualized. Hi, I hit the back of my head. It's kind of a big deal. 
So, um, and this weird separation occurred then. So this was July, excuse me, June 26th of 2021. And so at the time, you know, I'm looking at it and they were like, oh, just be, be in a neck brace for three months. And I was like, can I like talk to someone? I need to see one of my ALR ligaments are intact. They refused to let me speak to anyone. And they were super rude. I was like, okay, this is interesting. They didn't even document half the stuff that I came in with. Um, okay. And they were literally in this hardcore during COVID. So they were 10 feet away. There was no one even touched me. Right. Ironically in the notes, it says like patient denies any pain in the neck. You know, huh. musculoskeletal five out of five from manual muscle testing. Like, what are you talking about? This doesn't even make sense. Now, the whole reason you went there, though, is because you're feeling like you're almost in an emergent situation yeah, that needs I, I had, a different type of care. I had, I forget what the sign is. Again, like, I know what they are. I just don't always remember the names, right? Where it's like ligamentous instability. Like, I literally felt like my head was no longer attached to my body. It was the strangest, strangest sensation. Like I was a total bobblehead. So I was like, I know so, something yeah. is very wrong. Additionally, gotcha. my right shoulder. Thank you. I, this is important to mention my right shoulder, like straight up did not work. I couldn't even, I couldn't even hold a coffee cup. And previous to this, you know, um, I was, uh, you know, busier than I'd ever been, especially during COVID and, and operating a practically urgent care facility. I do blood work. I do all of the things and no one wanted to go to a hospital. So I had people come to me like literally in one day, by the way, I had three separate people that I had to send to the hospital. One like slipped and literally cracked her head open on her TV. Like I had all these just crazy things going on. And so I'm like, I, I just felt really, you know, obligated. I'm like, I gotta keep working. So, um, so anyway, yeah. So I had these, these, you know, crazy I couldn't, I couldn't flex. I, I couldn't really do anything with my head, but what was really scaring me was the weakness I was getting. I started getting weakness in my hands. So, um, so anyway, so fast forward. So that was June, right? I go into the hospital. I'm wearing, you know, as I call it the cone of shame <laughs> for all my dogs, but a cone of cone is totally back. Um, and, and three weeks later I ordered an independent, um, MRI because I was like, all these artifacts I was like, no, there's something else here. And I was like, and I was like having like learn meat sign. I'd go to play piano and I flexed it all. Like it was like a meningitis elect electrical type of situation. I was like, it was kind of scary. Um, and Absolutely. I recorded all of this too. Like, I have all of it on video. Um, and so anyway, so I, so that report stated that, um, I had myelomalacia. Okay. That's people, right. That that's major. So norm and that like my cord was in jeopardy. And so, and I did, I literally felt like I was being strangled. It was crazy. So, um, I have to say, so by the way, at that secondary MRI, there is no evidence of a torn interspinous ligament. Aside from the fact that my curve is so jacked now, it's unreal. Um, right. right. But there's obviously a lot of physical damage there. And oh, so much. things just did not go accordingly right. the way it should. Right. So ultimately, all I needed at the time, I'd already picked out my surgeon. I'm just, I'm very fortunate. There's a lot of really fantastic doctors that, you know, most of us fantastic doctors, we don't accept insurance. We're cash. And so we're outside right. of the system, which is good and bad because when you're operating in a region, especially like with contracts with hospitals, they're like, mm, 
we don't want to work with this organization anymore. So guess what? If you see a practitioner outside of that organization, even if you try and keep in every practitioner that I saw, I always kept my primary care provider in the loop simply for documentation to try and make sure that, that, you know, there was congruency with all the notes didn't happen. Um, literally like even a year later, they're like, you know, we heard that there was confusion in the notes, whether you had core compression or not. I was like, yeah, no confusion. I had a full blown spinal reconstruction, bone grafts and everything. I was like, I, so, but it started as all I needed was a disc replacement. Had my surgeon picked out, but I was like, here we go. I'm going to have to enter the system because I was so nervous about the anesthesia costs. And I'd put right. in to see if they would try and waive it because anesthesia could be 80 to a hundred thousand dollars. And we tried wow. for three to four months in all these different situations. They're like, they're like, we're so sorry. Like you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to go into the system. And so literally going into the system almost killed me Wow! because I was dealing with cord compression that whole time. I did hire a doctor that August. I had a really wonderful sports chiropractor, um, who was an associate for an entire year to see all of our triathlete clientele. And especially since I've been the chiropractor, technically the last three years, you wouldn't know for, for Ironman, <laughs> it was like illegal to exercise here for three years, practically. So, um, so yeah, we had we, all these athletes that need to be taken care of. And I, you know, I could barely even hold a head. So it's kind of a big deal. So anyway, um, yeah, so this, it kept me, I, I tried going from, you know, one specialist to the next. And frankly, that MRI that injured me, the three Tesla in December, December 22nd showed I had cord compression. I had no one actually took the time to look at the images and it was sloppy work that was done on the report. Um, as a lot of us know, right. You're supposed to list in order of like importance of like what the right. diagnosis is. And I'll tell you that I had a CT originally that showed that I had a dehiscence, um, superior canal dehiscence and, you know, and a fracture and, um, no one even ever made mention of it. And, and I was literally treated as a crazy person going into a hospital when I was really starting to go down, um, partially after, after that injury messing with my vestibular system. And then, and then just continuing to work through. So I was like, well, I'm just going to keep working until I physically can't because the other problem to this is disability. Yeah, of course. Disaster, right? So yes. um, my, my initial primary care just literally didn't file the paperwork. And I had everything filled out. My office manager hand delivered it. I mean, we in Folsom, there is, it's called Creekside Drive. It is like medical row. All of the medical specialists are all there located. So that's where my office was at the time. And so there was literally no excuse for this, but it took me, I didn't get any money from disability for an entire year. I also have a long-term disability policy that I've been paying since chiropractic school because we all know my luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, but even then the way that that was set up um, was that they don't pay out if you should be receiving funds from the state. So I was getting $300 a month for a year. Right. 
to Not work much. and keep my practice open and hire staff and all this stuff. And thankfully, you know, I've been, I've been a business owner previously. I always have backups to backups when it comes to financials, but it's like, man, the, the way that this is set up, I mean, any other situation, I would have gone out of business over a year ago and I absolutely would have been full disability, fully, you know, medicated. Um, I, on, on that now, I literally didn't take even Tylenol for the entire first year. All right. of that was done through laser. Low-level laser aconia is seriously everything. What I want to say that MRI, there was no evidence that, that that was torn. I was getting lasered hours a day. I had people coming over, got my my EVRL, you know, and and it's, yeah. So like, it, it was unreal. So I, I was just managing everything at home. And then until it got to the point that I was hitting, like, it was like March, April, 2022. And, and I was like, I literally can't do this. I feel like I'm not going to make it. And, and it was like a premonition because a week later I ended up in the hospital. Um, and, and the reason why I ended up in the hospital, I woke up and I was like, God, I don't feel good. And, and, you know, in chiropractic school, they say, they're like, make sure that you get a proper figmometer can't say that crap blood pressure cuff right make sure you have it proper you know what you're doing like i was just constantly you know checking it and sit to stand it's falling my heart rate was was falling i was like okay if i go to walk right. my heart rate's 40 that's not a good thing not so, at all so during this whole time you're checking things you're doing everything imaginable to get your health working yeah. as, as best it can. Yeah. You're prepping for a surgery. Um, obviously, things are not getting diagnosed correctly or that you're being led yeah. down different paths and roads. And finally, where did the kind of end result uh, so, go to or happen? Yeah, the end result happened actually once I was able to like you know, stay out of the hospital because anytime you go into the hospital, if you switch health insurance, you're then going to be responsible for those charges. So oh, I was wow. able to get myself what? stable enough, um, close my office for a month. Um, and, and then I was able to switch health insurance so that I could have like the best health insurance and then, um, started working with frankly, my connections. So I wasn't able to right. get anything accomplished in the system. So I, one of the most brilliant surgeons and, and, you know, he's a colleague and he's literally messaging me through Facebook. He's like, let me know if you need me. And at the time, like, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't get surgery. I couldn't get it recognized. I got approved for a shoulder surgery. I never got approved for an surgery. That's it. Not once. <laughs> yeah. I was like, my shoulder's fine. Like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah. For anyways, those that don't know, uh, you, your neck has nerves that, that yeah. control the, the shoulder. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And exit, like, right, like it's like all sources point to right here. Right. Yeah. And so everything changed when once I, I was like, that's it. The system's broken. I'm going to rely on my connections again. And, and that's what I did. So I actually tricked, um, I tricked the neurologist that screwed all of this up and had improper notes and is the main reason why I was never able to get approved for surgery to send the results to a pain management specialist who happens to be a good friend and he's kind of a big time guy in the area. He immediately gave me two epidurals that day to prep me for surgery. But even then I couldn't get anyone to sign me off because at the time I was showing with like stroke symptoms with loss of function, entire left side of my body, you know, all of this stuff that showed up. So 
but but ultimately getting getting out of the system and having the surgery just changed everything for me so i was able to go so i had the surgery um july 15th one just wonderful experience all the way around and um and then was literally back back to work october wow so so something that should have taken place earlier yeah <laughs> just I became went, this huge yeah, was, mess yes and it's so yeah. costly Literally, it was a $7,000 surgery. A disc replacement is $7,000, right? What I had done, $150,000. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, it it was so bad. I mean, it's beautiful now, but yeah, it was just so, so unnecessary. This whole thing was so unnecessary. But I mean, a lot of this, I still have to say, just comes down to the, the system is inherently broken. You don't have communication mm-hmm. between, you know, different networks and even hospitals, um, depending, you know, based on these contracts. So all bureaucratic type stuff, which that that should not be a part of someone getting care, but it is. And it's absolutely it's super archaic and it is what it is. But I've literally like, I mean, li- can I show you for a second? It's a Resimax, right? I, I'm constantly doing rehab at, at home and it, it's been i've been able to keep myself alive but it, you shouldn't have to be a freaking functional neurologist to keep yourself alive no right absolutely not now you've got all this wealth of information and connections <laughs> and everything else and experience with your own health care and you're providing uh once again uh, knowledge to everybody and sharing your story and the challenges that that's going on right now in healthcare. Um, how do people find you if they want to talk more with you or if they, uh, they need to come see you for care? Um, so, um, so I, I am representing, Hey, so passport to health, uh, we're, it's been chiropractic, but we're actually rebranding since I've been full-time functional neurology for a while now. I'm doing a ribbon right. cutting even May 3rd. Um, so Passport to Health, we are located in El Dorado Hills, California. So we are one of the suburbs of Sacramento. Um, we we do accept, you know, I, I have to be careful with this as I'm still partial disability, right? Um um, but yeah, we, we do accept for, for people to fly in. Um, it's an all-inclusive facility. We've got a corrective exercise specialist. We have um, massage therapists that are trained in myofascial techniques like Graston and whatnot. Um, and yeah, so you can go to our website. We have an Instagram um, page for Passport to Health. Um, also, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. So Absolutely. Um, <laughs> through yes. Facebook and Instagram, um, Dr. Devin Lee. Um, and yeah, so you can go to our website, passport to health.co, not a dot com. Um, and yeah, so feel free, reach out. Um, you know, it's obviously I've walked Perfect. through all sorts of weird stuff firsthand. So, so, you know, any, any of these symptoms that people are dealing with are like, no doctor has been able to figure out or, or they just don't feel understood. We're, we're, we're a safe space for you. You definitely are. And I think that's been the biggest takeaway from this podcast is just how if you are one of those peak performers out there and struggling with health at the same time is to find people that have also been a peak performer, because obviously 
kind of just good enough is not good enough for somebody who's used to firing at a whole other level. And on that note, stay tuned. I look forward to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much.